0: But I, I mean when I got done recording this episode I said that might be one of my favorite episodes I've done in a really long time uh before we get to the episode I want to say happy birthday to my dad because yesterday was my dad's birthday but today on the show uh we have a, a fun guest for me because I am a fan of him and his name is KB and KB Burgess he is a Dove award-winning rapper speaker and podcaster he's got four full-length albums He's a podcast host. You could check out his podcast. It's called Southside Rabbi. Uh, I'm a fan. I listen. Also, HGH is a movement that he spearheaded made up of multi-ethnic urban men and women from all walks of life. And they have a clothing line. And everybody in the Ivy family owns things from their clothing line. So make sure you check them out, HGA. It's called His Glory Alone. Really great clothes. What brought KB on the podcast today was he released a book yesterday. It's called Dangerous Jesus. Why the only thing more risky than getting Jesus right is getting Jesus wrong. And immediately as I saw the name, I was intrigued uh, of the book. And I thought, I would love to have this conversation. And then I got the book in my hands. And um, I told KB this, and I'll tell you this. I have not read the entire book. But... I'm going to because skimming through and reading certain chapters to prepare for this interview, I thought this is a book that everyone needs in their hands. And so the conversation today is one of the conversations that I think could be a little uncomfortable for some of us. I was challenged. Um, I don't want us to push away from challenging conversations and hard conversations, conversations that feel like man, I haven't had this conversation before because there's goodness on the other side of it. And that's how I felt about the conversation today. We start the the show by actually talking about why is Jesus dangerous and how can you use that language about Jesus? We have a lot of conversations about pro-life. Uh, we talk about Christianity America. We talk about success and resource and provision and how that can sometimes lead to us really forgetting our need for God. And then at the end, we talk about why some people are leaving the church. We see a lot of people leaving the church. In fact, he quotes in his book, a study that shows that for every person who enters the Christian faith for leave. So it's a conversation worth having. All right, friends, get a cup of coffee, get your earbuds in on your walk, get those dishes done. Y'all know you're on your drive, whatever you're doing as you're listening. Um, you're going to want to potentially listen to the show twice. It's that good. All right, y'all, here is my conversation with Kevin
1: KB Burgess.
0: KB, welcome to the happy hour.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me, Jamie.
0: So, so fun. Um, All the way from Tampa, Florida, which I was just thinking before we were talking, I don't know if I've ever been to your city of Tampa. Really? Yeah. Is it like a happening place in Florida?
1: You are missing out on the goodness that God has made available to you in this world. Wow. Consummated in Tampa. So you have to make sure (laughs) that you get over here. We're we're losing, we're we're probably going to lose. our our latest uh feature, which was Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Uh we may be losing the goat, but we still have us. Are you a fan of Tom Jesus. Brady? Are you yes. a fan of Tom Brady? Yes. Oh, before
0: he came to Tampa? No. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm That's in debt hilarious. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: I hear he's might. I mean, this might be old news by the time this airs, but uh, he hasn't officially said I'm done. Like he's, uh, I haven't heard that he's officially said he's done. So, but I don't. I think he's done with Tampa.
1: I. I, That's what we're all. We're not holding our breath. I tell you that. That's what I've heard. That's
0: what I've heard. Well, I'll say this, and this is like showing all of all of our cards. You know, people have preconceived notions about Texas. You know, like when I travel the world and I'm like, I I'm and honestly, when I travel, I usually don't even say I'm from the States. I'm like, I'm from Texas. Everybody knows. And then they're like, oh, you have horses and cowboys. And I'm like, well, there are. Yes. But that's not me. But I'm going to tell you, KB, I don't know what they are, but there are preconceived ideas about Florida as well.
1: There is. I mean, if you Google (laughs) Florida man, all the worst atrocities that humans have the capability to carry out is all here. It's a weird Place,
0: it's hilarious. I remember during COVID, so many times we're like, again, granted, people in Texas didn't think COVID existed either. But then you look at Florida, and they're like, they don't think COVID exists either. It was just a really. I don't know. I
1: don't (laughs) know if our governor. I don't know if our leadership was sure (laughs) if COVID existed. They're like, it might be out there. It might not. You know, we'll have to see. (laughs) We'll have to see. Your
0: governor is sure of some things, but that thing he was not sure of. So uh, there's that. Um. So, yeah. Austin, have you been to my city?
1: I have been to Austin. Been to Austin many times. Yes, and you one love of my it? favorite. Yes, yes. There's a, a place uh, in Austin called Southside, um, and it's a barbecue. It's a barbecue spot, and Austin barbecue is insane. You know, tacos are insane, but mm-hmm. I had never heard of lamb ribs. Oh now, uh-huh. I, I knew Lamb I knew Lamb have ribs, but I had <laughs> never had anybody barbecue. Okay, some lamb, lamb ribs. ribs and oh my gosh, that Southside, if you were ever in Austin, I go there every time, uh, eat just about more than I should. Uh and then I, I'm an evangelist for the place after I leave.
0: I love it so much. Well, I always say that I live in the greatest state of Texas. I mean the greatest city in Texas and Austin. Part of it is just the food scene is really unbelievable here. And so we love it as well. It's dope. That's awesome. Okay. So I uh, showed up to this interview today. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see. And I, I when I was getting dressed this morning, I thought to myself, so I'm interviewing KB. Like, cool points for my kids. Also, I'm a fan. <laughs> we got KB. Like HGA, His Glory Alone. We got them. All my kids have
1: it because I, I just it. buy it for
0: them. So I thought, would it be too much to show up? And I did it. And so here I am. I'm sporting my, was, my little windbreaker that I
1: have. It, it was perfect. It was just the right amount of taste. I, and I just am blessed by it.
0: Well, good. Well, good. Well, you have some (laughs) people in Austin who uh, have a bunch of your stuff in our closet. Um, KB, I want to jump in because I'm really excited about this conversation uh, that we're going to have. And it's a conversation that People, listeners on the happy hour. We've been we've been talking about these things and I always say I'm so proud of my listeners because we've sure. just kind of been on this journey together over the past 5 or 6 years of really yeah. reevaluating things that we thought about church and Christianity yeah. and and yeah. and the world and our country and all the things. And so you have a book uh called dangerous Jesus. Uh, right. Why the only thing more risky than getting Jesus right is getting Jesus wrong. And so right. I want to dive into this. And I want to first ask you the question is you start off your book and you you call Jesus a dangerous man. In fact, you call him yeah. the most dangerous man you've ever met. What did you mean yeah, by yeah. that?
1: Yeah. So uh, it's, it's the artist in me that wants to evangelize people's imagination before I can get to their hearts. And Mm -hmm. I understand that we uh, use that word dangerous um, uh, in in multiple ways. And uh, because it's it's a play on the word in one respect, uh, when we think about uh, the evils of this world, that they they are dangerous, they're dangerous to us, our families, our societies, uh, and that those things are called dangerous because of their power their power Mm -hmm. to bring unimaginable harm. Um, And when we think about particularly um, the analogy that we use in sports, where individuals are like a threat on the field, like, man, that that dude, Mm -hmm. that that guy right there is dangerous. What we mean is that he is able to bring an unimaginable power to shape the game or uh, Mm -hmm. for his team's good, but he's also a threat to the opposition. And that is one of the beautiful things that we see uh, sort of captured in the story of Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia is that you have this lion that by definition is dangerous. His Mm -hmm. paws, if you were to rest your hand in his paw, you would feel the might, uh, but you'd also feel tremendous comfort knowing that this strength, this strength and beyond uh, inside the paw are claws that, Will not rip you apart, but protect you and then mm. stop the enemy. And in that respect, Jesus is this dangerous entity that steps into the world with a power that brings threats to the threats that evil mm. cannot, uh, injustice cannot, uh, wickedness cannot thrive in his presence. Presence. He is dangerous to them. I think about, um, uh, the, uh, the, the story of, uh, when Jesus gets off the boat and he casts out the, the, the man, cast out the demons, uh, that were in Legion, casts out Legion from this, this, this man, um, mm-hmm. who has been possessed and oppressed and how the demons tremble in his presence. Mm-hmm. And I think about mm-hmm. the, the, the power of the God of this age, the, the, the devil and his demons. That they are responsible for everything that we hate about this world, uh, and mm-hmm. then partnering with our sin. And in, in that respect, the Bible calls us uh, before Jesus children of this enemy, and mm-hmm. everything we want to change is connected to this spiritual realm that invades our our our, our realities. And Jesus is a threat to that. He is dangerous Mm. to that world. That world trembles. The darkness trembles in his presence. That's who Jesus is. He is a Mm. force that is not molded or follow. uh, He he doesn't follow us. Uh, He doesn't uh, negotiate with the darkness. He overcomes it. In that respect, Mm. Jesus is dangerous. And by definition, if we follow him, we become dangerous. We become a danger Mm. to the things that threaten this world.
0: Mm, It's so good. And I love your analogy of like a football field who is a threat on the field. I'm a football fan. My listeners know that. And and I can see that they're not bad. They're doing good, but they are a danger to the enemy, to the opponent, to the other side. And so get them in the right circumstances and everything, their head game. I mean, they're dangerous, and I love that. In, in your right. book, you That's tackle right. a lot of things that we have been experienced on a, maybe a deeper level in the last maybe five, six, seven years um, within right, right. evangelical Christianity in America, for sure. Um, right. You tackle a lot about that, and you say the biggest problem for American Christianity today is we've separated Jesus's words from his walk. And so wow. w- w- can, can you tell me what, wow, you said it, KB, looky there. Can you tell me what you mean by that? You said that right before you talk about Dallas Wheeler's quote that we might know about vampire Christians about so many times Christian. And so w- tell me expand on that a little bit. Great
1: question. When I trusted Jesus I'm coming up on almost 20 years now. I was not introduced to a organized exp- like like I was not introduced to a organized organized religion. I actually I found that later. Uh it was me, my Bible and the dude who shared the gospel with me. That that was that was the moment
0: which it's a great yes. story, by the way, yes. and it's in your book, so we're not going to go there,
1: but it was really beautiful yeah when i uh when I met jesus um it, it it was it was not like I'd stepped into a a tradition, and as tim Tim Keller puts it, I kind of mm-hmm. allude to this in the book that uh Christianity in America is often like a package that you know you 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 get saved, you have this real uh, life-changing, life-altering, undeniable experience with God. And then we show up to the what has become like a civic religion or these organized expressions of now what it means to be inside of Christianity. And it comes with a package deal. So right. in that package is here are the people we vote for. Here are the issues we care about. Here are the countries that we travel to. Here are the uh, the, the organizations we give to. We give to. The, it's a it's a uh, here are the people we stay away from, who, who we hate. Um, and in that package, you find that a lot of stuff in there is actually not biblical. It's cultural. And the, and, and also, even if there right. are things that are in the package that are good that that you can make a biblical argument for, uh, the emphasis, this is a big one right here, the emphases of the package is a big deal. So we obviously care about all wrongdoings. But there are some wrongdoings we care about a lot more than others. So we, we, we do care about fighting for the lives of, of the unborn. I am unashamedly pro-life, yet we don't have that maybe that same emphasis for life at the southern border. Or maybe we don't have that same emphasis for the environmental effects of those who are greedy for more polluting the places and where our children are growing up. Does that life matter to us? And what I'm saying is, is that what we will find is that in the package is that there's a, there's these sort of laid out emphases that if you don't have them, you're not seen as faithful. And what I'm trying to do in the book is I'm Mm -hmm. trying to boil down what it boil down all of our traditions, our emphasis, our ideas, a lot of those things are good, but into something more essential. Something that's truly orthodox, something that gets to the heart of God, because I believe in that place we come alive. In that place, uh, the world is changed. And I, and I detail that in the book. There is a case study for us to look at of individuals who were flipping the world upside down for the Lord Jesus and didn't have all these entanglements that we have today. What were they doing? And I'm, and I, and I feel like in a lot of ways, the what they were doing is what I found when I trusted in Jesus. And then I grew in this community here in Tampa, Mm. and I got good pastors and mentors and leaders in my life. They cultivated that for me, where I found that this is a Christianity that is bigger than our perceptions, traditions, Mm -hmm. and denominations. It's a Christianity that is of Christ, not merely of the land.
0: KB. How about I just shut my mic off and you just preach to us for 45 minutes because that was amazing. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly Warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30 minute class, I can choose a 45 minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types, but for every goal and every mood, there are classes. If you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh rock, if you want to go back to the eighties, if you can't run, take a walking class, need some grounding, try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or hit workouts. You mentioned like the unborn, and I. This fresh on my brain because I was just at the Stand for Life conference, which was in yes, DC good last week. A friend of week, mine organized, that. and they brought yeah. a ton. Yes, we brought a ton of leaders together, and it was my first event I ever went to that was pro-life. I'm unapologetically pro-life as well, all the way conception, natural death, yeah. the whole thing. Um, And spend my life and energy talking about a lot of the things that you said, but the reason I'll tell you this: when I got invited to it, I said I can't say yes unless I talk to them. And the reason I need to talk to them is because what I needed to know was: are you just anti-abortion, and are you just pro-life for the unborn, or are you pro-life for all life? Wow!
1: And thankful,
0: thankfully. I got that they were pro-life yeah. for all life, but I'll tell you, KB, I talked a little bit about um, on my social media and as I was talking about it, it wasn't a lot, but there were a handful of people who just in me talking about a whole life narrative and theology sent me messages and said, so are you pro-choice? And there just wasn't yes. a framework in their brain
1: yeah. Come on,
0: to care, to put... To put immigrants under pro-life, to put foster kids under pro-life, to put single moms under pro-life, to put black communities, to put under resources communities, under. there was no framework. Yeah, And so I think that's what you're talking about. As we come into this institutional and things that are right and true, which is we should not abort babies. We can all stand on that as followers of Jesus. But when you take that and you're like, nothing else around it matters.
1: Yes, Absolutely. Two quick examples of of something that as I think about the the pro-life conversation, one is that there was a sister that came to my church. Her name was Rini, who graduated from college with a degree um, in uh, sign language. And she was explaining to me that there is a community of individuals who cannot uh, hear. And, uh, and and the, the, the deaf that there's a, a community like it's not it's not simply uh, a deaf person here or there, but there's a a, a under resourced, overlooked minority experience as the result of a disability where they yep. are unable to take part in all the resources that that we who hear, you know, can can, you know, engage in regularly. And she said that we should Mm -hmm. care about that. And I remember as I was hearing her talk about her passion for ministering to that community, I thought, here is an opportunity for me to not say, well, that's just not, I don't know a lot of people like that. Um, that's not something that we've prepared or thought about. I don't know statistics. Where are these people at? we're really just, we really want to focus on the thing that we're going after, which is, let's say if it was uh, building wells in, in, um, in Northern Uganda, you know what I'm saying? This is not the time for me to throw that in mm-hmm. her face. This is the time for me to say, perhaps I am not equipped to really go after that, but God cares about that. And I know he cares about it because it aligns with His character. And here I have a person, who is filled with the spirit of God, trying to emulate the character of God on image bearers, wherever that, whatever that may, Mm. whatever community we find them in, we want to support that, not discourage them, say that they're losing their side of the gospel. Should it really be about those who are hearing or not hearing or can see or not see? It's really not a, a, it's not an ear problem. It's a sin problem. We don't need to do it. Support her. Even if you aren't yep. going down, hold the rope that lets her down into mm-hmm. the well. You feel me? Mm. And so I think that I, it, feel it, you. But I believe that recovering sensual, an essential, an essential Christianity that is that is biased to orthodoxy, to the 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 core mm. of what it means to walk with Jesus and allow for that we are we are we hold fast in our orthodox but we are gracious in the mm-hmm. various ways in which we might express the character of God in with with marginalized communities mm. and be generally especially don't become an obstacle for folks to do that kind of work. The second right. thing I want to say real quick about this is that um there was a, a guy that I follow who uh he is uh vehemently uh for abortion. I mean he is uh I mean it's 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 over the top and i pray that uh this year i get an mm-hmm. opportunity to actually have a, a talk with him on my podcast where we can mm-hmm. we can kind of go back and forth mm-hmm. on the on the issue but he's very he's a very rational dude and uh he was at a a pro life uh, march and he walked up to this gentleman who had a sign up that said god is pro life and he uh he mm-hmm. asked he said hey are you sure God is pro-life? And the dude was like, absolutely. He's absolutely Um, pro-life. He wants to save life in the womb, stuff like that. And the gentleman said to him, uh, the the guy that I follow said to the gentleman at the the pro-life march, he said, do you know that there was a time that God killed everyone in the world with a flood? Don't you believe that? And he was like, yes. The dude was like, yes. And then then the the guy I follow said, well, how could God be pro-life when he ended a cosmic deluge Mm -hmm. down to a a small family of people? Mm -hmm. And the gentleman was stumped. He was like, Mm -hmm. He didn't know what to do. You can see he he was having cognitive dissonance. He was trying to reconcile the the God who who had judged these people with the fact that we are out here marching for pro-life issues. And I wanted so bad to reach to the screen and help my brother at the march. Because I think what happened is that we really, I think in that moment, he realized that the conversation around this, uh the, the fight for life and our understanding of how we defend those who are vulnerable is a little more complex than simply holding up a sign and marching. But there's other things that we have to think about. When is it appropriate and who has the power to give life and take life away? Is that something that humans should be able to use when they want. Well, there, there's, there's, there's Romans 13. When we think about the state, that the state has been given a kind of power that is to punish wrongdoers. Where do we understand the, the 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 fight for flourishing and preserving life in the grand scheme of what God is doing in the world? That is a much heavier conversation. And if I could have responded to that that, that mm-hmm. gentleman, I would have said to him, brother you are right that God did. I believe that with all my might, because my my sense would be most people who who question the authority of the Bible do not believe there was ever a flood. So I do appreciate that we're at least agreeing that the Bible is true, okay? (laughs) But if the Bible is true about what God did in judging the world, we have to factor in the fact that this was the holy God of the universe doing something to people who aren't innocent, we, by merit of the way that we live our lives, by the merit of the way that we've turned against God, are all sinners in need of a savior and not deserving of one, but graciously receiving one through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the fact of the matter is you and I as human beings have a, 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 a responsibility to walk in the steps of what God has laid out for humans to live. And what is that? to love mercy, to act justly and live humbly before our God. As far as the East is from the West, God and his holiness is separated from us. He can act in the right of giver and taker of life, but you and I have one responsibility as human beings, and that is to protect mercifully, justly, and graciously those who are truly innocent and not being given the rights that image bearers deserve because they're made in the image of God, Mm. which is that they should not be taken advantage of. Their lives should be considered in these conversations, not disregarded. So that's what I would say. But I do think that it was just a bigger, a a bigger, like it just kind of showed us like, oh, we can actually think through what we're talking about. This isn't flattened black and white. If we want to have a witness in this world, we got to think about these things more deeply. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or Lending Partner Banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people.
0: Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New Miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient rich, high quality ingredients. Miracle Grow
1: is simply the best.
0: It's so, so true. And I think that a lot of people, if they just have that narrow view and they're just like, And we should, we we need to fight for the unborn. No one is saying we shouldn't. But if it's so narrow that you can't let anything else in and think about circumstances that might brought a mother to say, I mean, I told you before we started, and my listeners probably know this, that three of my kids joined our family through adoption. Amen. And a lot of, you will hear some, you will hear some rhetoric through pro-life Christians that adoption is the answer to abortion. Mm. And I find that to be the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard Mm. in my entire life. And the reason it's so ludicrous is because adoption can't be the solution to abortion because the mom still none of her circumstances have changed.
1: Uh. So so
0: if what led her to considering abortion leads her to adoption, she still doesn't have housing. She still might have food insecurity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She still be making minimum wage. Yeah, 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 yeah. She still might have access to education. Yeah. And so we have to, what you're saying is like, we have to think in a broader sense yeah, and we have to think life. deeper. Yes. You talk, it's a whole life. And um, I want to ask you this. I, coming up this month on the show, I talked to David Platt and we talk a little bit about this, yeah. but you say this, and this is such a good conversation. You say that America is rarely a place of Christian persecution, and I would agree, yeah. but a hard place to be a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people are like KB. Hold up! Everyone's a Christian in America. It's a Christian nation, <laughs> you know. So, like, you're telling me it's hard to be a Christian. What do you mean by that, Whew, man? And I, I just so everyone is not confused. Neither KB nor I, I'm a, I will. I won't. Let, I'll let you speak for yourself. Believe that America is a Christian a nation. But there you no, go. I think that that'd carry be on
1: an uh, inappropriate statement. Um,
0: but why is it hard yeah. to be a Christian here? Because. Honestly, I'll tell you this. Yeah, I said to David, I said, David, I think the struggle in America is it's too easy to be a Christian.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think that that's that's the 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 sword that we fall on. That's um, the point.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Because um, man, I, it's the the reason that I'm I'm pausing right now, man. Because I am, I I I feel the weight of this in my own life as I have. For all intents and purposes, become a little more successful. And uh, and as I am, even in my world of Christian leaders and artists, see people become more famous, more, more access, more resources, uh, more praised. Um, uh, I rarely see that mean more godly as well. Um, it it's one of those things that Um, I think about when Jesus, when God is talking to Israel and he says, listen, I'm bringing you into this land. Things are going to be nice here. Okay. Milk, Mm -hmm. honey, protection, prosperity. It's going to be goats everywhere. There's going to be cattle everywhere. Um, don't forget me when you get there though, because Mm -hmm. you, that's the temptation of men and women. I read a quote two days ago. Uh, someone was in, being interviewed, just they were doing a, stu- uh, um, a study. They were asking people on the streets, why do you think so many people are walking away from Jesus? And one of the answers, one in fact, this was said several times, if I'm not mistaken, was that people feel as though life is too good for them to need God. So that they feel like mm. we're not at war. Uh What's the point. M- modern yeah. medicine has basically become the replacement for prayer for a lot of people. So, uh, keep in mind that in the medieval times that it was Christians that were, uh, uh, it was the church and Christians resources and Christian conviction that led these developments. I talk about, I talk about this in the book a little bit. They, they led this, these developments of, of, um, of modern medicine. They laid the groundwork that we mm-hmm. were on the front line of creating a world more hospitable to the human body through science. It was our mm. tribe that led into that. And it's no doubt that these, these brothers and sisters prayed that God would bless their studies. And now as you hold like ibuprofen in your hand right now, you're holding the result of answered prayer and Christian, uh, conviction, mm. uh, and Christian um, you know, sort of uh, the the favor that God has shown on the yeah. work of those that went before us. Here's the answered prayer right here in your hand. And what we often can do mm-hmm. is say, "Thank you, God. I'm good to go." And uh, right. and and I think that that is the. There's so much to enjoy about Christian liberty, which I love. I mean, religious liberty. I love that. I I, I want that. Uh, I like air conditioning. You know, what I'm saying like I, I mm-hmm. I've been in a lot of third world countries, a lot. Okay. Like a lot. Okay. Like, like over 15, 16. Uh, I am certainly uncomfortable, comfortable when I'm there and I become appreciative of what I have back home. I don't, I don't want to downgrade. I don't, I don't, I don't think that we should be trying to, to, you know, take out the grid so we can go back to, to more simpler times. And I don't want to romanticize people's experiences in the third world, but I'm telling you the truth. More than once, people who have done ministry in hard places will come to America and feel like they're being lulled to sleep by the devil because you Mm -hmm. can program the power of God at your churches through y'all. Through your through through charismatic leaders, great sermons, amazing light shows, you can program uh, a, a Christian experience by your marketing and the the your ability to 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 sort of have great content online that can hit some kind of virality. There is so much that can be manufactured here, and people will come here and say that this is not how it is where I'm from. Where I'm from, it's yeah. God steps down, or we don't have anything at all, and I miss right, that. Right. And they miss that when they come here. So I think, in some ways, what we can all agree to is that comfort, ease, and sort of uh, boundaries that are set up that keep the the the, the things out of our lives that we could, that could be called affliction mm-hmm. serve us in some ways. But they hurt us mm. in others, and when you take all of that in, the, in across the the the, because we think about being shadow banned on Twitter, or some liberal is talking about mm-hmm. taking, uh, from you know we think that the liberals are thinking about taking out all our religious freedom and stuff like that, all the threats and stuff like that. The material effect on our lives is almost laughable in to, comparison, comparison mm-hmm. to what our brothers and sisters are going through in other places. And what that means for us is it creates a unique situation where we have to be very mindful, uh, very careful, uh, very disciplined that we don't essentially become a reflection of the ease. Our faith becomes just as air conditioned mm-hmm. as the environments we worship in, where you know it's all about the comfort and security. Uh, and not about mm-hmm. the sacrifice and the and and the the discomfort that we have when we sometimes pursue mm-hmm. the call of God. It's not about the uh the sort of disciplined ways in which we uh will be willing to lose for the sake of the gospel. We if we lose all that mm-hmm. stuff, you don't have Christianity. You, you just have a civic religion religion. So that's what makes mm-hmm. Christianity hard. It makes it hard when you were doing it from the angle of prosperity. This is what Jesus means Mm -hmm. when he says it's hard for the rich to go to heaven. You're just thinking about Bobby Axelrod on billions. You're you're thinking about Mark Cuban. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about Warren Buffett. He's talking to all of us. We are the Mm -hmm. rich.
0: If you live in America, the percentage of us having privilege and richness is Real high in this country, yes. no matter what class you fall in yes. compared to the world.
1: Yes. You know, Absolutely. and so
0: that we just went to, the, we're doing a sermon series on that right now. And he, our pre- preacher, preacher on Sunday was like, "It got no one's saying money is bad, right? but right. he is saying, if you have money, you better check yourself every single day sure. because it's real easy yes. to just yes. be comfortable and not have very many needs for Jesus.
1: Absolutely.
0: I want to I want to finish with this question because I have a lot of questions I'm not going to get to, but I want to finish with this question. Yeah, we're seeing a, right now a lot of people who feels like are are leaving the church. We've yep. got a generation of nuns who are I'm either been the church and I'm leaving, or I have want nothing to do with religion. But we do see a lot of people who are leaving our churches yep. and. The, the theory would be, oh, they're leaving uh, because of secularism or or CRT or, or Marxism. These things are why people are leaving. Right. But really, it's not that the world's pulling them away. Most of them will say that it's not those things. Yep. So you talk about this in your book early on, and yep. I want to know, what do you think Are the things that are pulling people away from the church?
1: Yeah, I think that it's it. That's a great question. There's a lot of research on this. A a lot of data has been pulled on what Mm -hmm. is turning people away. Um, At the top of that list is people trying to reconcile uh, the LGBTQAI. um, um, You know, uh, we'll we'll say call it burden to protect uh, those Mm -hmm. and to affirm what it is, uh, where folks in that community stand. Um, I think that some of that's theological. It's that I just, I struggle if the Bible is saying that what feels most right and natural to them is wrong. I just have, I have a problem with that. That's part of it. I think the other part of it though, which is probably in my opinion, uh, the more salient issue is the way in which that community is treated uh, by those who are, who name the name of Jesus, that there is the the baseline narrow, if you have an a, a orthodox sexual ethic or a traditional sexual ethic, uh, there is that narrow truth that that honoring God and human flourishing looks like this. That's a very narrow thing, and it's very hard for some people to accept that that's where, where we would stand. But I, once you get past the, okay, we don't agree on that, into now what does that mean for us living together doing life together you right. being in my family right. you being in my city you wanting to come to my church what does that mean in that avenue that's the culture so there's the theology around it but there's also the culture around the issue and i think in that that's where we have lost the most the the, the we have lost uh, the most ground because if in your mind you if in your heart you mainly see them as icky um, and it, you, mm-hmm. you, you see them as 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 uh, semi image bearers. You, you see them as mm-hmm. the, the scorn of everything that's wrong with the, the school system and the government and, and the nation and, and Hollywood and so on and so forth. If that if, if, if you think of that community and you roll your eyes, OK, mm-hmm. rest assured that that's not just in your in your tweets or in your head. It's, it's in how you're living your life and, and, and folks pick up on right. that. And not just the people who are members of that of that community, but mm-hmm. those who are allies of that community, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot of people in yeah. Generation Z. So we have to think about where we might in the culture be able to influence um, uh, the, the hearts and minds and persuade and adjust the way that we behave that they might feel loved by us as a as a pattern, and then is that community might feel loved by us? But and then there is the issue. This that was the, 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 the a top-tier issue, but there was a bunch of big issues, other issues too. And I'll just mention at least one more big one. One more big one is uh I believe C.S. Lewis said that um that the joy, um the resoluteness, the confidence, the hope that the Christian has. Is the best witness for Christianity, mm-hmm. but the necessary consequence is that the joylessness, the 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 confidence that is not actually in Christ, but perhaps in politics, the 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 the, the division that we keep up as a mm-hmm. as a as a uh, a show of solidarity with our gang, our tribe, mm-hmm. with our conservative you know uh, um sort of leanings uh the the mm-hmm. lack of sacrifice the the lack of emulating the beatitudes that Jesus lays out very clearly for us in Matthew the lack of those things is also the worst witness for Christianity Christians mm-hmm. are the best witness mm-hmm. for Christianity and they are simultaneously the worst witness they by their lives can either have the best proof or facilitate the best denial and i think mm. the last i mean I, i'm i'm I, obviously the last three years social media has has shown us the hearts of people in ways that we never seen before people that we were doing life with, we were like you think that you believe that you mm. do that um it has, it is, it is sort of, you know, put a light on, you know, our hearts in some ways. It has shown mm. that the church has been very vocal uh, across the spectrum mm. and very divided. Uh, and as investigations, uh, you know, ensue, and as people are reading and and listening to the things that we have been saying, in a lot of ways, we have contributed to the failed mm. reputation that has come to become that has come to in some ways for generation Z and some millennials defined what the what Christianity is so since so that that's why and those are the two areas where I would encourage us to do better
0: I, I want to quote you uh you said um you know it's it's not the world that pulled them away from Jesus it was people claiming to belong to the church yeah you you say this in your book almost all the individuals i know that have left them have that have had their faith shipwrecked have cited the politicizing of Christianity and their church's apathy and often hostility toward justice and other issues concerning neighborly love, which yeah. is everything that you just said. Amen. And you know, you mentioned Generation Gen Z and the millennials. And I'll never forget I had a conversation with a coworker. She was a young girl. And um, it was during a lot of the presidential just muck and mess that we've had in the last yeah, couple yeah, of years. Yeah. And she looked at me and she said, I don't know how to um, reconcile the faith that my parents brought me up in and then the way that I see them reacting to what's happening right now. Wow. And I'll never forget that because what she was saying was, you've said this for years, but now when it comes to actually acting and caring, now you're out. Yeah. And I just will never forget that because to me, it's this example of like, man, like we've been talking about this whole time, like, Christianity is not this one peg that we fit into a hole and then we're good for the rest of our lives. Right, 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 right. Like it's like, like I'll quote you, it's dangerous. It's messy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nuanced. Yes, I mean, yeah. Christianity itself is not nuanced, but things that we're working with, yes, there's nuance here. Yes. And so we need that love and we need that compassion. So I do think it's affecting generations that are coming up more than we realize. Right. And, um, my prayer and my hope on the flip side, just like that C.S. Lewis quote that you said on the flip side, I also see a generation Growing up, who was like, We actually want to follow Jesus, yes. like how he said, yes. And so, there's so much hope here. You've got some people who are going, I don't, I'm not jiving because I see two different things. And then you have people coming up that are like, I'm all in, yes, like, I'm in, I'm yes. following Jesus yes. for who he said he was, I'm caring about people. And so, um, it, there is encouragement. I want to leave with that. There is hope and there is encouragement for our younger brothers and sisters who are growing up in the faith. Absolutely. So KB listen if I was already a fan of your clothing line now I'm a fan of you because I am just so excited you guys as we're talking your book your book released yesterday Dangerous Jesus why the only thing more risky than getting Jesus right is getting Jesus wrong yeah and I cannot recommend this book enough I cannot recommend this book enough so speaking of books KB what are you reading these days Jamie wants to know.
1: Jamie wants to know. We want to know what you're reading. Woo, yes, good question. So, I, I I got a bunch of stuff floating around. I actually just just picked this up like 15 minutes ago. I found it on a bookshelf at my office. I was like, I'm going to check out uh, a, a classic in Utopia. Um I am actually in I, so there's a bunch of stuff that I'm reading. I'm I'm, I'm reading, you know, there are books that I'm, uh, I'm reading on, on, you know, content curation to, you know, gentle and lowly by, by, um, uh, brother Dane Ortland. Dane Ortland, um, Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and yeah, I think that the book that is most, this is going to sound so Christian to y'all, but it's my temptation because I got books everywhere. Okay. Books all over my, my I can studio. tell that you're
0: a reader. I can I tell by read. reading your yes. book.
1: I can tell that you're a reader. Yeah. Right now I am anchored in scripture though, man. Um I, I'm I, I am I'm in James, the book of James right now, and I am reading through it slowly. Um I am and considering what the Holy Spirit is try, is wanting to teach me through his word as the main mm-hmm. kind of source of my reading right now. So um yeah. yes, excuse me. I, I would say I that. Love it. The what I'm reading right now, the the thing that's holding what the, the the most of my attention right now is is, is actually scripture. I hate to sound Christianese right yeah. now, but it, that that's what it is. If you would have asked me this three months ago, I would have had a different answer. I'll put it like that.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, KB, thank you so much for your time today, Amen. and thank you for writing this book. Thank you for putting the time into it, and I just know that it's going to be a ginormous resource for people who are really saying like. I want to know this dangerous Jesus and I want to follow him and I want the dangerous gospel and the dangerous love and all the yeah. things that you go through in this book. Yeah, and so yeah. super grateful and thanks for coming
1: on the happy hour. I love it. Thank you so much. God bless you, Jamie.
0: Uh was I lying or was I not, you guys? That conversation was so good. I hope you loved it. Here's what I'm gonna ask: I'm gonna ask a couple things. Number one, if you love the conversation today, would you consider sharing it with a friend? Literally just go into your podcast app, find the link, text it to a friend put it on social media tag me tag KB so we can see that you listened to that you enjoyed it really the number one way that people find out about our show is by people sharing it and so I really appreciate it second I want to tell you this I was pump in the air so often i was clapping i was smiling in this interview so much and if you ever want to see the entire interview in its entirety we have them over on youtube so go to jamieivy.com slash youtube you can watch the entire show over there and we have a lot of shows over there from the past couple of years so check that out as well and no matter what wherever you buy books you can get kb's book today it's called dangerous jesus why the only thing more risky than getting jesus right is getting jesus wrong the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey is a production of Ivy Media Podcast. Executive produced by Jamie Ivey, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend.